You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. So we're in a series entitled Our House, and uh, we began week one with really talking about, you know, how do we build our house upon the rock? Um, And what does that look like? And Jesus said, the guy that builds his house on the rock is the guy that hears my words and he goes and he does them. And so we talked a little bit about what that would look like in your house. And then last week we talked about protecting our house. And so, um, you know, we all as men, especially we want to protect our house. And, And so what does that look like? And, you know, really basically I began to talk about what it looks like to protect the purity in our house. And so ways we can do that. And so today I want to shift to the next uh, year. And, and this is a topic that's not really popular in our uh, culture today, but it's the issue of, of discipline. Um, not something that, it, you know, a lot of people, you know, agree upon. And so pr- probably what I'm going to read from the Bible today is, um, depending on your background, you're either going to love or you're not going to like. And I may get some emails this week. I don't know. Uh, but it's going to be what I think a, a very helpful, uh, uh, just really um, biblical discussion about what discipline should look like um, in, in our homes. And so if you're a parent today, this is going to resonate with you. And if you've got little kids, you're going to be all about this. And um, if you've got kids that are grown and out of your house and you're like, well, discipline for me is over. um, I still think there are some valuable lessons that you can learn, even if your parents or even if your kids are grown and out of the house. Um, And if you don't have any kids yet, maybe one day you will. And so um, take some good notes because uh, God's word is is powerful today. So we, when we, we had one child, um, you know, we kind of thought we had it figured out. You know, it was two on one. And so we, we pretty much were able to do that thing and it was, it was all right. And then we had our second uh, child. Um, and so our second child was very active and, and, and a lot, lot more energy. And, and so, you know, we went from a two on one to a man to man defense. And so, you know, that worked for a little while. Then we had our, th- our third and then our fourth. And it was like, we went from the man to man and we straight play zone defense and they outnumber us now. And so we're, we're constantly, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, help side defense and, and just trying to, to make sure that nobody falls through the cracks in the house. And, and discipline is one of those things that is very challenging. Uh, it's very draining as a parent. Um, it's, it's something, uh, it's, it's difficult because of, we have to be consistent. And that consistency is difficult depending on our energy level during that day. Um, and sometimes our kids are just so stinking cute, you know? And when they pucker up that lip and their tear, alligator tears start to form, we become, you know, just this big ball of mush. And so um, what I want to do is start with a working definition for what discipline is. And so if you're taking notes, discipline is correction driven by love. Discipline is correction driven by love. Now this is important because discipline is not like something that we do because we're in charge, we're large and in charge and you better do this and I'm the guy in charge kind of thing. It's not that motivation at all. It's really this idea that um, I'm, I'm going to discipline um, because I'm driven to love my children. And so this is, a, a, I think, a huge philosophical mentality that we want to take when we, when we look at our, at our kids and, and, and how we help discipline them. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to look at verse uh, 5 and 6 and see what God's Word says here. Actually, uh, about halfway through verse 5, he says this, My son, 
Do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. Don't regard lightly the discipline. In other words, don't think it's not a big deal. Don't, don't think it's something that is good or bad. Or don't, don't, don't think it's something that's you know, just in the way of your life. Don't regard it lightly. He says, nor be weary when reproved by him. Don't, don't be exhausted by it. Don't, don't look at it as a negative thing. For the Lord disciplines the one he, what? Loves. The Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. So let's just start here. Like God loves his children and because he loves us, he disciplines us. Now, if you're a believer in the room this morning, God is not punishing you for your wrong choices uh, today. If you have Jesus Christ in your life, that punishment has already been taken and it has already been given to Jesus. So God is not punishing you anymore for your sin. Jesus has already taken your punishment. What the Lord does now for us as believers is he disciplines us. And the reason why he disciplines us is because he loves us. Because as he corrects, as he guides, as he disciplines, we grow closer to him. We understand life through his eyes. We understand the purpose under, under uh, his purpose and under his plan. And so it draws us closer to him, which allows us to bring glory to him, which honors him more, which, in, which makes our worship grow for him. And as a result, we're blessed. As a result, we have more joy. Ultimately, his discipline is for our good. Now, in the same way as parents, when we look at our children, our discipline toward them is because we love them. Because I know a lot of people that, oh, I don't want to be mean to my kids. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to be mean to them and I don't want to, you know, hurt their little feelings and, and discourage them and, and, and hurt their little self-esteem. And, and, and so what we've got to realize is that discipline is not something we do to them. It's something that we do for them, right? So it's not something I'm doing to them to hurt them. It's something I'm doing for them to correct and allow them to grow. Now, Proverbs 19, 18 says this, Discipline your children, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to their death. So disciplining our children has this idea and concept of of, of bringing us hope. Because if I discipline them, I'm helping them learn and grow and understand the world. And, and that gives me hope that one day they're not going to grow up and be an idiot. Okay? So we want to understand what God's Word says and apply it to our life. And we've got to understand that there is a huge battle going on in your house today, mom and dad. Like the battle for you, whether it's a baby, toddlers, or teenagers, there is a battle going on in your house for who is in control, who is in charge. And some of you are losing that battle. And it's time to win that battle and not just squeak by win. It's time to decisively win that battle and get things moving in the right direction. Um, discipline is correction by love. All right, so let me talk about three different parents that I think we're probably all going to find ourselves in, in, in some ways um, in each category, but I want to talk about them because undisciplined parents will always, always, always produce undisciplined children. Correct? You with me on that? If you're with me, kind of give me the nod. Like you, undisciplined parents are going to always produce undisciplined children. And so I want to look at three ways that as parents we are undisciplined. And the first area is what I would call the lifeguard parent. All right, so the lifeguard parent 
is the parent that sweeps in every time their kid uh, gets in trouble or every time they're, you know, going through something that's difficult at school and they save the day. Um, and they, they come in and they um, save their kids from the discipline. They save their kid or they rescue their child from the consequences. The lifeguard parent. Little Johnny, he gets in trouble at school. And instead of letting little Johnny just, you know, take the consequences that the teacher gives him, you've got to set up an appointment with the teacher to find out what's going on. And you have to talk to this teacher as if she has time, you know, and, and she has made up this elaborate lie about what your kid does because she has so much time in the world, you know, to spend after school with you to talk about your kid and, and his problem. And, and, and so we come in thinking that the teacher is lying instead of realizing that little Johnny himself could have done exactly what the teacher has said. And so we make the meaning and we try to get little Johnny out of the consequences, okay? That's the lifeguard parent. I don't want my kids to experience the consequences. And, and so the motivation is, well, I don't want their self-esteem to be hurt. They're, they're, we're always playing the victim. Like, well, my kid, you know, my kid's always made fun of, or my kid is always this. He's always gets the finger pointed at him. It wasn't his fault. It was because of them. And, and so always, you know, rescuing our kids from the consequences and not allowing them to face those consequences. Now, why is this a huge deal? Well, look at this verse, Galatians 6, 7 says this, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he, what? Sows. A man reaps what he sows. Now, in God's economy, he has set up a system in his world that says, if you do X, Y will happen. Okay? So, so if, if, if we uh, um, uh, live according to his blessings, then we will be Blessed. If we're living according to his word, we'll be blessed. If we live outside the parameters of his word, then there will be consequences. This is a very biblical principle that you and I have to, have to, have to teach our kids. This is huge. Like if, if they don't understand that if I do this and, 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 and there are consequences then they are always going to feel like mom and dad are going to sweep in and save the day. Now, if you've got older kids, your kids may be adults, maybe have jobs, maybe have families, and yet you, mom, you, dad, are still tempted to sweep in and to save the day, even though they're 20, 30, maybe even 40 years old. Bad financial deal, no problem. Here's some money. Save the day. Okay? Marital problems, no big deal. Let me get you together. We'll pay for this and we'll, we'll try to, you know, convince the spouse that it's her fault and not my little baby's fault and get in the way of. We'll save uh, every week for the rest of their life if we don't check ourselves, if we don't understand that lifeguarding our kids is damaging them. So we'll sweep in and save the day, rescue them from their sins. But what they have to learn is when they go outside, of God's design for their life, there will be consequences. For example, your kid has a science project and, and he or she neglects to do it on time. And so the night before, they're like, I've got to do, it's due tomorrow. And they're all stressed out. What you don't do is sweep in, save the day and do it for them. Okay. Uh, our kids, uh, they go to Foothills Elementary. And so 
they do a reading log, and some of your kids go there, and so you know about the reading log. They've got to read so much, and uh, I have to sign off on it. As a parent, I've got to sign, yep, little, you know, they, they read this much this week. Well, they've got to bring that folder home every week, and, and we have to sign that every week. And so uh, one of our, our kids uh, failed to do that one week, and so we had an intense conversation about bringing their reading log home so that we can sign this. You know, the next week comes by, um, they're reading I'm watching, I know that they've done this, but they forgot to bring home the reading log for a second week in a row. Now, my instinct is to shoot the, the, the teacher an email and to say, hey, look, you know, they, they read at home, they just forgot to bring the notebook home, is it okay, da 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 you know, That's the instinct. But Mike and I talked and we were like, no, we're not going to do that. They're going to get a zero last week and they're going to get a zero this week because we want them to learn that they've got, to, they've got to have some responsibility and bring the folder home so that we can sign it. Now, some of you would go, oh, you let your child get a zero. It could affect their GPA, you know? It's like, yes, getting a zero is more important than getting an A sometimes because there's a bigger lesson at stake here. And that was a month ago, and so far, the reading log has been home every week. Now, if I, if I would have shot, you know, done the email, and done, who knows how, what, what kind of slippery slope that would have taken us on. Lifeguarding parents, uh, you will seriously um, end up uh, causing more harm than you think that you're doing good. Now, you might be a lifeguard parent if you've taken your son or daughter their lunchbox, you know, three or more times this semester to school. You know, you might be, you know— Maybe if he's in college, you're really in bad shape. You know, that's really bad. You know, we, sometimes we do that. Um, sometimes we give our kids money for, you know, for lunch, and they go to school and they spend their money on bracelets or whatever from a friend, and it's like, I don't have any money, you know, and they're calling you, begging you for money, and it's like, oh, okay, little Johnny's got to eat today, so I'm going to take you some more money even though you spent your money. No, here's your money. Spend your money somewhere else. No eat for you, no food for you, okay? And so we want to teach them there are consequences to their actions. Now, here's a wild idea, and I know this is controversial and it's probably going to upset you, but some of, some of you guys have 16-year-old, uh, or you're, you know, you're getting close to that 16-year-old age, and so the trend in our culture is to you know, buy you know, brand new cars or nice cars for 16-year-old kids. Maybe you know, a lot of times it's like, I'm going to buy a $30,000 car for my 16-year-old kid. Here's an idea. Want a car? Get a job. <laughs> I know that's crazy, all right? You, you want a car, get a job. Instead of a $30,000 car, how about getting a $1,000 car, okay? Get a job, pay for your own gas, all right? And if you get a speeding ticket, you're paying for it, brother. You know, I'm not paying for it, you pay for it. So that, it's just little things. But what do we do? We get caught up in culture, we get caught up in friends, we get caught up in the Joneses next door, and we think, oh man, I I don't want my kids to not have, and I want my kids to not experience, and it's like, just slow down, chill out, realize there are, sometimes it's more important for your kids to get a zero than it is for them to get an A. And so we've got to allow them to experience the consequences. Now, I've got duped into getting a cat. You guys know I'm not really a cat person, but we have a cat. And, and my kids, they, they wanted a cute little adorable kitten, you know. And they're, they're free. They're, you, you adopt it. You know, it's like, no, it's not free, you know. They, it's not free. There's a lot of cost to that deal. I know how that deal works now. They, they bamboozled me on that one. 
<laughs> but it's cute now, yes. You know, adorable, yes. But that cute, adorable cat's going to grow up to a Satan demonic cat, right? And I got to teach them that. And now they're experiencing that now. But, but lifeguard parents, all right, number two, if you're taking notes, the second group, oh, before we go to number two, has, will anybody just admit that at, at least once in my life as a parent, I've been a lifeguard parent? Can I, I'm, just, I'm raising my hand. All right, good. So we're kind of all there. We need to do better. All right, number two is what I would call a Play-Doh parent. Play-Doh parent. Now, you know what Play-Doh is. It's kind of like clay. You mold it. You squish it. You manipulate it. You mold it. You shape it however you want it to look. And, and you might shape it one way today, and then, you know, you can shape it and make something different uh, another day. So the Play-Doh parent is the one that would make a rule today, but then tomorrow, eh, whatever, you guys can go. You guys can do it. They're very inconsistent parents. And so what they would say is a guideline today, tomorrow it may be different. And so confusing their kids and really teaching our kids to, the more you whine, nag, and manipulate me, the more you're going to get from me, all right? And so I told you no, but if you continue and, and continue to nag and continue to beg and you, and you get emotional and you whine and you, you throw your little temper tantrum, well then, all right, you can have the Cheetos, you know? And so you get worn down and it's a consistency issue. Proverbs 29, let's take a look at this, verses 15 and then verse 17. It says, a rod and a reprimand impart wisdom. All right, so let's just grab that. A rod and a reprimand imparts wisdom. One day my kids are going to be very wise. You know, I'm kidding. So, but a child left undisciplined. I think that was a sneeze. That was not a laugh. <laughs> Bless you. tight. But a child left undisciplined disgraces its mother. It's a very powerful verse. Discipline your children and they will give you peace. They will bring you the delights you desire. So if we're disciplining our kids, the Bible says that he will bring us peace. They will bring us peace. They will bring delight to our soul. Now, for me, consistency is one of those things that I strive for. But just like you, it, it's difficult because I get home from work exhausted. And sometimes, you know, my, my, my flesh just wants to give in to the, because they're persistent little things, aren't they? And, and so, you know, they, they're persistent and sometimes I'm exhausted, you know, and it's like uh, some days I'm commander dad, no, no, no. And some days I'm, you know, the love boat dad. And it's like, whatever you want, it's, uh, you know, let's just have fun. And so it's very important as parents, like if this is a guideline, we stick to the guideline. Like if we're not allowed to do this, then, then, then and, and, and if they cross that line, that then discipline takes place then and there. Plato parents. Number three, the third kind is what I would call the IT parents. And so IT stands for individual team. So the individual team or the IT parent uh, are the parents that are not playing on the same team. They're on different teams. So mom and dad, mom says one thing, dad says another thing. Mom wants one way, dad wants another way. And so if you as uh, mom and dad are not on the same team in discipline and in parenting, there are all kinds of, 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 of discipline issues that are going to evolve in your family. One of the mottos that Mike and I uh, really uh, took hold of, really when we started having kids, was this concept of we're on the same team. So like if mommy says this, whether I agree with it or not, 
I've got her back. I, I don't want to undercut her or, or uh, you know, usurp her authority in front of the kids at that moment. We can go into our room. We can talk about it. If we have issues, we want to talk about it there. But I never want to let my kids see us on, the, on different pages. They see that weakness, they will attack that weakness. And they will play you, won't they? You know what? Mom said I could do this and you don't let me. You're the meanie, you know? Mom lets me do this. Dad, you never. And so they'll play you against each other and, and, and all kinds of issues begin to arise. Now, let's talk about divorce for a second because divorce is a very, you know, real issue, practical issue that a lot of you face. You, you, maybe your marriage didn't last. And so not only are you divorced, but you don't really like your ex at all, to say the least. Okay. And so that's kind of your boat and you've got a child with this person. And so there are, you know, they're, they're with, with, with him or her at some point and then with you. And so the mentality here for kids is, is it, it, I see it all the time. Like kids will play their parents um, against each other all the time. So whether it's, you know, dad lets me go and you don't let me go. You're the mean one and you're this and you're that. And then vice versa, when, when, when there were dad, it's like, well, mom does this and, and you won't let me and, and nag, nag, nag. And, and the reality and the truth is um, nine times out of 10, a lot of times the, the kid is just flat out lying. Mom wouldn't let her go or mom wouldn't let her do that. They're just saying that to make you feel bad and, and to pit you against each other. But then at the same time, maybe it is happening. And so what do you do? Now, this is a very complicated issue. I'm, I'm divorced and I don't like them. For the sake of your kids, you've got to cross all of those boundaries as far, not boundaries, but all of those bridges that would lead you to, you know, just dislike your ex and not want to deal with your ex and just, you know, put that past and put that behind you. You've got to, as best you can, have conversations with your ex and say, look, as best as we can, we need to be on the same page. How can we get on the same page so that she's not pitting you against me when she's with you, know, you and vice versa when she's at my house, she's not making you out to be the bad guy. We need to get on the same page here, communicate so that our kid gets the proper discipline during this time in their life. Now, the same thing can be said about blended families because that, you know, there's my kids, there's her kids, and there's all kinds of complications that come into that. And a lot of times what I hear in those families is, well, these are my kids. I'll discipline and handle my kids because they're my kids. You don't deal with my kids and you deal with your kids. My kids are mine. Your kids are yours. You deal with them. I'll deal with mine. I disagree completely with that, that style of parenting. When you said I do and you committed to marry, there is, you became one flesh. There is no yours and mine. They are ours. And so now they are mine. Uh, mine are yours. We are a family together and we will discipline on the same team and deal as uh, a normal mom and dad parenting family would. And I'm so, so, listen to me. I'm so grateful that my uh, wife's stepfather stepped into her life and not just said, you know what, you discipline yours, they're not mine, so you don't, I'm not going to worry about it. I am so glad he saw her as his own. I may not be sitting here, I may not have the family that I have today, had he not shown her that love and acceptance and decided, you know what, she is mine. And to this day, you wouldn't even know uh, that, that, that he's a stepfather because he is a real father to her and has been since she was a little girl, and it has changed her 
life. Get on the same page. Um, no IT parenting. Amos 3.3 says this. Do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? So, I mean, we, we have to agree to walk together. And so there, there, is, there are, are some practical ways that we walk together. Instead of parenting on, on individual teams, we get on the same page and, and really grasp this motto, like we are on the same page. Now, this happens to us all the time. Like, it just happened to me this week. You know, one of my kids comes up and says, Dad, can I have a donut? I had just gone to Dunkin', you know. Sorry, don't judge me. So we had, to, we had a box, you know, in there. And can I have a donut? Yeah, you can have a donut. Next thing I know, he's chowing down. Micah walks into the room. She's like, oh, I told you, you cannot have a donut. At that point, I'm like this on the couch, you know. <laughs> she's like, but dad said, and then I get the stink eye, you know. It's like, er, I didn't know. It happens all the time. Our kids want to pit us against each other. We've got to be on the same page, understand. Uh, in that moment, I've got to apologize, and then I've got to discipline my, my, my child for pitting us against each other like that. They've got to learn that that is wrong. All right, so there are some undisciplined parents. Now look, let's look for a minute at some things that as parents we should expect from our kids. So here's what we should expect from our kids. If you're taking notes, number one, we should expect first time and cheerful obedience. Some of you laugh at that statement. <laughs> First time in cheerful obedience. This is important. I know what you do. You better do this. I will count to three. One, two, don't give me that look. Two and a half. I'm telling you, I'm serious this time. You better not. You better not. You're going to get in trouble. It's like, all right, we got to back up here. First time obedience and we want cheerful obedience out of that. Let me explain what I mean. Let's look first at Colossians 3 verse 20. Colossians 3 verse 20 says, children, Obey your parents after they have warned you several times. That is not what it says. Scripture does not say that. Let's read it again. Children, obey your parents in how much? In everything. And why do we do this? Because this pleases the Lord. All right? This pleases the Lord. So uh, Scripture does not say, you know, uh, obey your parents after they say, cut that out. You're going to get... You're going to get the belt. You're going to get time out. I'm going to count to three. You better come over here. I mean it. Don't make me do it. You know, we expect first time obedience in our house. I'm not saying we always get it, but that's what we're striving for. And that's what we're shooting for. And that's what you should shoot for and strive for as well. I mean, that's the goal. Like they should understand that when we ask, we are asking them to do it then and now. And not only do we want it the first time we ask and expect that, we want them to be cheerful about that. Here's what the Bible says about this. Philippians 2.14 says, Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Put that on a note card and put that on your fridge. Let that be your memory verse this month. That's a good one. Like out of, you know, everything that we do, do it without arguing and complaining. And so, so the ideal for us is not just obedience, like doing what I ask you to do, because that's important. But what's even more important is the attitude behind why our kids would do things. Because it's one thing to tell your kids, you know, they so-and-so hit so-and-so. You've got to go apologize for hitting your sister. And so they stomp over, you know, I'm sorry, you stupid baby. You know, it's like, no, wait a minute. You know, I got outward obedience, but I don't have inward obedience here. I don't, I don't have the proper attitude. And so 
what I want to do as a parent is I want to realize that the attitude is actually even more important than the outward obedience. Because once the attitude is corrected, the outward actions will change. And so we want both and and we want to fight for and understand and discipline for the attitude behind certain things. For example, you know, dad's come home from work and the son has been back talking mom. And so dad's like, son, I heard you were back talking your mother. No, I wasn't. Well, your mother said you were back talking. No, I wasn't. It's like, well, don't back talk me while I'm trying to talk to you. Whatever, dad. You're going to go to your room if you don't stop. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, fine, go to your room. I'm not going to my room. I said go to your room. Oh, whatever, Dad. Stomp, um, stomp, slams the door, and Dad sits down and says, told him. (laughs) Go to his room. I told him he was going to go to his room. Now, he got outward compliance, but he doesn't have inward compliance, does he? He doesn't have the attitude. He doesn't have the the inward attitude that we're looking for as parents. We want to not only have the outward obedience, but we want to have inward uh, obedience as well. You can have outward obedience, but still have inward rebellion, can't you? We can get our kids to do things, but sometimes inwardly we still see rebellion. And so that's what we want to discipline we want to speak to that issue and not just what, you know, the outside and, and the uh, outward appearance and actions always look like. First time in cheerful obedience. Secondly, we never want to discipline in anger. So Ephesians 4.26 says this, In your anger, do not sin. Are your kids going to make you angry? Mm-hmm. <laughs> to say the least. The Bible says, in our anger not to sin. And so this is the critical point and critical moment for us as moms and dads. Like we never want to give them uh, discipline and punishment while we're angry because what we're going to give them in that anger is usually a lot of yelling, a lot of intimidation, a lot of blood vessels and sweat and red faces and and teeth grinding. And and so, you know, we don't want to give them that discipline when we're angry. We want to go outside and cool off and chill out for a minute. Because we're not just about uh, getting even. We're not just about, you know, uh, you know, giving them discipline. We're doing something for them. We want them to learn something from this. And so we've got to cool off, come back in, and give them the proper discipline at that point. Now, I don't know about you, but in the car um, is where I'm tested the most. Like, there's something about being in the car. I've got four kids. They're in the back, and they're doing the whole, he's looking at me. He's making faces at me, you know. He's touching me again. She's crossing the invisible line. There's an invisible line and she keeps crossing it, you know, and it's like, ah, stop it, you know. Everybody shut up, you know. You get, you get so mad in the car and you're trying to drive and the, and the blood pressure is rising and rising. And see, I'm 6'4 and I've got, a pretty, I've got a pretty good wingspan here. So a kid in the back seat, I will, I will grab you. I can reach you. I can lay, I can lay that sucker back. And man, I, I've got to reach. And my kids know that. So, you know, they're tucked up. So <clears throat> I got a pretty good reach. So in our anger, we don't want to sin. And, and this brings me to, um, you know, an issue that I know is not a popular issue. And probably some of you are going to, you know, not like what I'm about to say. But in our house, we spank. Um, and always have, um, as they grew up and, and got to an appropriate age, um, we, we would spank them. And um, I believe that that is a biblical 
um, uh, way to discipline our kids. It's not the only way, but it is an effective way that we have found. And I do believe it's a biblical way. And some of you are going to, oh, I can't believe our pastor abuses his kids. And it's not that at all. It's very appropriate. I mean, I would never use my hand. Uh, we've, we made that commitment. It's one thing we don't want to do is actually use our hands when we uh, spank when our kids were little. Uh, we used uh, what we called the spoon. It was just a wooden spoon. And so I just, you know, anytime my kids were acting up, I'd say, you want daddy to get the wooden spoon? And I would hear the little bottoms, you know, just kind of pucker up, <laughs> tighten up and pucker up and they'd scoot away, you know, it's very effective, you know, and, and then it kind of changed as they got older. But, um, uh, you know, to, to, you know, their, the belt and that kind of stuff. But even in that, we don't want to spank in our anger. Okay, we don't want to spank in our anger. We want to, we want to cool off. We want to talk over with each other. Uh, if my spouse is there, we want to communicate and talk about what the appropriate uh, level of discipline is here. And is it, you know, is it spanking or is it taking away privileges or is it adding responsibility? And I, sometimes we take away responsibilities as the first step. And, and a lot of times maybe adding responsibility um, is, is an even better way uh, to do this. And then um, you know, and then maybe it is the timeout, you know, deal. Uh, we use that as well. And I know some of you are old school, like timeout. We didn't have no timeout when I was little. We had knockout. Mama said, knock you out. We didn't have no timeout. So, so we did, we did timeout, but if you got little kids, you know, that can be really effective. And so, um, you know, we always had a timeout rug, uh, one house, it was a timeout step. And so however old your, however old our kids were, if they were three years old, then we would set the timer for three minutes. Or if they were, you know, two, it would be two minutes. And, and so we would set the timer because one of two things always happened. We would either forget that they were there or it's like, where did Bryson go? I don't know. Oh, he's still on the rug. Um, or. Or we would let them up too soon, you know, and they would get up too soon. And so, so we would set the timer, and then when it, when, when it beeped, then they would know to get up. And so, I, just like your kids, our kids, would, they would try to get up too soon. So like, and if you get up too soon, the timer starts over. And so you guys stay down, you know, and some of you are like, oh, man, that, you really? Because I, I can't ever get my kid to sit down. Oh, I can get your kid to sit down, and so can you. You know how to do it. Uh, you just don't want to do it. Uh, same thing with your kids sleeping with you. Oh man, don't let your kids sleep with you. Um, what you're doing is you're developing insecurities in their life that you don't even realize. You think it's all cuddly and cute. Um, and your, your husband is probably upset with you because this is my bed and it's crowded and, and we don't have any intimacy together as a couple anymore uh, because little Johnny is always jumping in bed. And then at the same time, little Johnny is building up insecurities because he's not confident enough to stay in his bed. And so it's cute when he's one or two, and then when he's four and five and he's still coming down, it's like, oh man, this is kind of weird, you know, because my kid isn't strong enough or confident enough uh, or feels safe enough to be in his own bed. And so again, this is part of developing uh, confidence in them um, and, and eliminating those insecurities in their life. And, and at the same time, it's more for you than it is for them anyway. Um, so we always made our kids stay in their bed. This is mommy and daddy time. Uh, you better not come in here um, you know, locking the door. And so um, a lot of times, though, um, uh, timeout works. A lot of times, you know, spanking does work. But in all of those things, we don't want to um, uh, give out any form of discipline in our anger. Um, and then I would just say this. Now, spanking is something that needs to be done appropriately. So it's with a wooden spoon and it's, you know, one or two, you know, in an appropriate way. If you, whatever kind of rod you're using, you know, in an appropriate way. But like any, any form that would be striking a child is, is abuse. And like, 
I wasn't even planning to say this, but maybe for some of you guys, you need to hear this this morning. Like if you are physically harming your child in any way, you need to repent before God today. Repent before your children and get help now. Because you, if you do not one day do that, if you don't do that now, you're going to stand before God one day and you will wish you have never harmed one of his little ones. And so that is a huge, big deal in the life of our kids. So first, we expect first time in cheerful obedience. We also agree never to discipline in anger. And then finally, number three, uh, we will discipline promptly. So promptly. So if it's in the grocery store and they are acting out, then we're going to go to the restroom and have a conversation or going to go to the car and have a conversation. I know you're in a hurry. I know you got stuff to do. I know you've got a cart full of food, but we have left many a cart full of food to go handle a kid. All right. Uh, We'll come back and we'll get that cart and we'll start from scratch again. Um, We don't have a spoon. Bless God, there's a spoon in aisle eight, you know. (laughs) I'll go buy it right now. I'll return that sucker, or if it breaks, I'll take it home. Uh, But we want to discipline promptly, and I'm just joking. You guys know that. Um, But um, seriously, uh, we want to discipline promptly. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So when we're disciplining our kids, if we want to do this promptly, uh, we want training and, and instruction to happen. So let me... Let me talk about, first of all, instruction. So when my kids, um, when they mess up, when they make a mistake, I'm going to ask them a question, what did you do wrong? And I want to have that conversation with them because usually what it starts out with is, well, they hit me. You know, it's like Bryson, you know, stole my toy, so I took my Barbie doll and I hit him in the head with it. All right, what, what did you do wrong? Well, he stole my toy. He took my whatever, so that's why I hit. It's like, no, you know, I understand. We're going to talk to him about the stealing part, but what did you do wrong? Getting our kids to a point of admitting what they did wrong is one of the most important things that you can ever do for a kid. Being able to admit when and where I messed up, it is crucial. And you'll understand why when I talk about the gospel here in a minute. But we want to understand um, and, and bring them to a point of admission like, okay, I see where I messed up. And the second question, what did you do wrong? Secondly, it's how could you handle it better next time? So what did you do wrong? How can you handle this better next time? I, wanna, I, I really want to ask that question every time with my kids because um, the Bible teaches us in 1 Corinthians that the Lord provides a way out for us when we're tempted. Every time there's a way out for us. And so what could I have done differently? Well, I, I could have come and I've, I could have told you. I could have, you know, asked him for that. I could have not done this. I could have done. And so what, what are some other ways? That's the instruction part, getting them to think, okay, here's where I messed up and here's what I uh, did wrong. But then the second part, when, when we discipline promptly, instruction is first and foremost. And then secondly, We want reconciliation. So this is huge. So we want our kids to know that, okay, you messed up. Here's how you messed up. You asked for forgiveness. I forgive you. Here's your discipline. Okay, hugs, kisses, move on. Don't talk about it anymore throughout the course of the day. And oftentimes we we lack this reconciliation. Maybe there's discipline, but there's no relational time after that discipline. If we ever, you know, spank our kids, we don't do that much more uh, anymore as they've gotten older. But when we ever did, it was always, okay, that happens, uh, tears, 
emotions. All right, now let's reconcile. I want to hug them. I want to kiss them. I want to affirm them that daddy loves them and he loves them enough to show them that what they have done is wrong, but I want to restore that relationship. And so I've been speaking about this for the last couple of weeks, but rules without relationship is going to lead to rebellion. And so I don't want to just have a bunch of rules and hand out a bunch of discipline. I want to have relationship with them so that in the relationship, I can, in fact, continue to discipline them and instruct them. If there's no relationship there, then I believe we'll exasperate what, what the Bible says in Ephesians, our kids, and, and just lead them uh, to rebellion. And so this is huge, though. This is so huge because it really is a picture of the gospel, If we don't discipline and punish our children, if we don't help them understand what it is that they've done wrong, then we are distorting their view of God and we are hurting their chances of receiving Christ in their life. In order to receive Jesus Christ into your life, you have to first and foremost realize and admit that you yourself are a sinner in need of grace. Not only do you need to realize that you're a sinner, but you need to realize that sin demands punishment. Sin always has consequences. And I want my kids to know this because the gospel beckons it. Like God will punish sin. And he will either punish you for your sins in hell for eternity, or by receiving Christ, we're receiving The fact that Jesus took on our punishment and paid the price that you and I deserved to pay. He took it upon himself for us. Now, if I don't teach my kids that discipline and punishment because of sin is necessary, then understanding the gospel of Jesus Christ could be challenging. It's so huge. It's so important. That we do this. Now, I started earlier and I I read this verse in Proverbs. Discipline your son, for in it there is hope. Do not be a willing party to his death. Now, this this was made real to me just a couple of weeks ago. You guys remember it it snowed um, a couple of weeks ago. The kids were out of school. Well, right across the street from our house uh, is a pretty good hill. And so we were running across the street, up the the hill and uh, sledding all day. And and my youngest daughter, Blakely, uh, she was running back and forth up the hill and doing the whole deal as well. And I don't know what it is about our area, but as soon as it snows, it's like everybody with the four-wheel drive feels the need to get out and drive. And so there was this, there's this couple of uh, boys that uh, came screaming down the hill and driving really fast past our driveway in the snow, having fun, you know, so to speak, not uh, paying attention and pretty much oblivious to everything that was happening uh, in, in our family. And there were not just our kids, there were all kinds of kids there sledding down this hill. Well, um, my, my daughter Blakely was running around the side of the house. She was running across the street to her sled to go back up the hill. At the same time, this truck of these, of these boys uh, w- was flying down the road. And so, I mean, the timing was, was perfect here. And um, I didn't see it happening until at the last moment. Mike and I, we were standing beside each other. We were looking this way. And at that same time, we heard the truck. We turned and looked, and we saw where the truck was and where Blakely was. And we both, at the top of our lungs, said, Blakely, stop! And she stopped on a dime, and the car blew by her. I mean, it was inches. It was inches. Scared us to death. The boys oblivious. What could have been a tragedy was prevented because of first-time obedience. Can you imagine 
Blakely, stop. I'll count to three. One, two, tragedy. You see, the importance of discipline in our kids um, is teaching them, yes, there are consequences for our sin, but there's an ultimately a bigger story that we are painting for them, and it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like, I want them to obey first time because I love them and because it is good for them. Because I'm not disciplining them uh, and giving that to them. I'm doing it for them and showing them and allowing them to learn and to be instructed and, and to be guided and to understand what reconciliation is. Like when they offend me or they do something to their mom, it's not just, you know, I'm sorry, mom. And then she doesn't say that's okay because it's not okay. She says, I forgive you. That wording is really important because it's not okay. Don't teach your kids to say when somebody apologizes, it's okay. Teach them to say, I forgive you because there is a huge difference there. It's not okay. You need to be forgiven because you have sinned. So no matter where you're at as a parent, we've all kind of been the lifeguard parent. You've all kind of been the Play-Doh parent. We probably all kind of admit to a little bit of that as well. Some of us are, are, are dealing with the, you know, the parent that is on an individual team. We're not together. We want to reconcile those things, get those things correct, get them on the same page because we love our kids. We ultimately want to paint the picture of the gospel for them, for their good, and for God's glory. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.